Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Bottoming the LGBTQ mental health podcast about rock bottoming and beyond. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at bottomingpod or visit bottomingpodcast.com for more content relating to each episode. We've also added a support page to the website to direct you to the right place if you're struggling or need someone to talk to. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Hello, I'm Matthew. And I'm Brendan, and our pronouns are he and him. It's been a while since we've said that, isn't it? It has. Nice. Um, Two whole months. Yeah. Two months. Um, Yeah, this is a Mental Health Awareness Week special, Mm -hmm. and we are joined by the one and only Will Young. Wow. You know I was ready to just, like, (laughs) um, park the podcast, let's say that, park it for a bit. And not even do any special or anything between now and the next season. And then we got a little email in our inbox from Will's team. And we were like, fuck it. Let's let's do a little special. Ride. Let's ride. <laughs> um, yeah, we definitely needed that break though, didn't we? Mm, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think both of us really, very much needed that break. And there's been a lot of changes and growth some may say since then yeah growth so it has been a while but let's summarize how have you been yeah good um summary summary it's been um oh a big thing's changed which was before we gave up um give up before we ended the last <laughs> season <laughs> well, <laughs> said, well yeah let's call a spade a spade before we gave up on the last season um I was talking about the research I wanted to do, and then since then I, we put out that little uh, teaser episode asking for people to take part, and I was teaser, 
You hardly know her. I even know her. And not that. I was very, Sorry. very nervous that I wouldn't get any responses at all. I was like talking to my supervisor. I said, oh, yeah, we've got all these listeners per month or whatever. And she was like, oh, you'll be able to get it. And I was just like, yeah, but, you know, who says they're going to be engaged listeners? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was nervous. But sitting here today on May 4th, may the 4th be with you. I've got all my participants, the research is closed, and I've got like 160 that I'll be able to use, which is 60 more than I needed. So I'm just Mm. incredibly grateful for everyone that took part. Um, And already looking at the results, it's just um, very, very exciting. So so Mm -hmm. very, very grateful. Um, And when are you expecting to share the research? Well, I have to do my whole dissertation, and I hand that in in September. So so you are keeping the children waiting? I'm keeping the... Keeping them on the edge of the seat. <laughs> the kids on their toes, yeah. <laughs> um, also, I had a really gorgeous family holiday in Cornwall. Mm. Thank you. Goodbye. So what would you... How have you been? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been really, really good, actually. I am six weeks maybe into my new job. Now? Has it been that long? Um, yeah, I think I'm in week six. I can't remember what state I was in when we left the podcast. G- gave I remember up. it wasn't. <laughs> um, I remember it wasn't my highest point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd obviously had some time off sick. I'd started antidepressants, and do you know what? Honestly, I would say at this point, I feel like a whole new person. It has made such an enormous difference. Um. Yeah, so I actually within myself I feel very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. I feel a little bit, a little bit flat today, but I think that's just because I'm all socialed out from the bank holiday weekend. It um, was a very social weekend. It was so social. So social. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it was also mine and Sam's anniversary. Oh. So we had a gorgeous, gorgeous day in Margate that weekend, as well as all the other antics that we got up to. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm very, very good, and I am loving the new job. Mm-hmm. It is a whole new learning experience for me as well. There's so many incredible, like, global projects that I'm working across. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really exciting. And I'm going to Rwanda in July. Rwanda? Rwanda? <laughs> don't even know her. <laughs> no, too many. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm actually hoping to meet with some LGBT activists as well when I'm in Rwanda. Um, possibly for a future episode. So, yeah, all going really well. I'm so pleased to hear it. One thing, one thing you will you will likely notice if you follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. at Bottoming Pod, um, is we're not doing video content for this, mm-hmm. and likely not in the future. Mm-hmm. And there's a few reasons for that, amongst other things. But as we've said, we you know left the podcast in. In a state. the start of the year. <laughs> um, and on reflection, it was because of a huge imbalance in what was being done and who it was being done by, firstly. So, aka Brendan did all of it. And it wasn't sustainable for either of us, the level of stuff that was being done. And we both love this podcast. We've It's been part of our lives for a number of years now. 
we are in each other's company all of the time. Too much time, if you ask me. <laughs> and um, me. And yeah, we just wanted the, <laughs> we just wanted to get it to a level again where what we were doing, we were able to enjoy. We were able to speak to people that we wanted to speak to, um, but without it becoming a chore. So I think moving forward, there'll be maybe a slightly different output. Um, there is a gorgeous rebrand that Brendan has done. Thank you. Again, Thank you. for that, for all of the stuff moving forward. Um, but yeah, it just means things a little bit different, but the episodes and the gorgeous conversations that we will be having will be the same. Absolutely. Just on the outside, we just look a bit trimmer. <laughs> trimmer, slimmer, <laughs> sexier. Never been hotter. Hot girl summer. So I agree with that. And I think it goes back to that episode we had over on burnout, which is always how we seem to end these seasons with a bit of yeah. a big case of burnout. It's because we, we push ourselves to, to produce the best content we can with the people that we work with and with the skill set we've got together and we, what we share. And so what we wanted to do, and we got, uh, me personally, I got into a state of like, each season it needs to get better and we need to do more and more each season because people will either expect to see stuff or I kind of also want to prove to myself that I am improving as well in certain areas. But like Matthew said, we do want to continue the podcast. And so we just needed to kind of reevaluate where mm. we kind of spend our time and the core things of podcast. So that in terms of its quality is where the attention needs to stay. And the rest we can we can work it out and it's still going to look gorgeous. Mm. It's just a bit different. Amen. So, why are we here? It's Mental Health Awareness Week. <laughs> it is Mental Health Awareness mm-hmm. Week. Um, so, this year's Mental Health Awareness Week runs from Monday the 9th of May to Sunday the 15th of May. And it was originally formed by the Mental Health Foundation. Um, this year's theme, if you have not seen already, is loneliness. I didn't really know what to think of this theme initially because I I think I've just been lucky enough not to feel lonely for, for, for a while now. So... Mm. I think when I was kind of thinking, I was like, oh, I just, I don't know, hadn't been in my, in my thought pattern for, for a while. So I, I kind of didn't really know um, how we would talk about it or who we'd talk to for it. Um, luckily, Will offers some really, really good insight into uh, to the conversation. But the government did a well-being and loneliness survey in 2020 to 2021 and found that 6% of people in England, which is approximately 3 million people, said they feel lonely often or always, which I think is just a huge amount of people. Mm. And I, I imagine as well, there's also a lot of people there that weren't taking part in that survey. Mm-hmm. Because if people are lonely and often isolated, the chances of something like this reaching them is also going to be quite yeah. low. I mean, it's interesting that that was when the survey was conducted as well over the course of um, the mm-hmm. pandemic. The Mental Health Foundation um, conducted some research and the report Mental Health in the Pandemic found that loneliness had been exacerbated um, during COVID and different lockdowns, which has contributed to higher levels of distress um, resulting from people's sense of isolation and that reduced ability as well to connect with others because it was such an enormous shock, wasn't it, the initial yeah. the initial few months? And it's like every single person we've spoken to Pretty much every single episode, the pandemic has come up in one way or another. Um, so yeah, I think again, that sort of stat is not really 
that shocking, is it? No, no, not anymore. Additionally, research from Just Like Us on growing up LGBT plus found that LGBT young people are twice as likely than their non-LGBT peers, 52% versus 27%, to have felt lonely and separated from the people they are closest to on a daily basis during lockdown. And if you missed the episode that we had with Dominic Arnold from Just Like Us, make sure you go and give that a listen because that is a really informative episode yeah. um, about their research. So I think on the flip side as well, I've I've spoken about this in several different episodes, but when I was working at Tonic, so the LGBT affirming retirement community that opened in London last year, um, there is an enormous prevalence of loneliness in all the LGBT people. And it was one of the reasons that the organisation was initially founded. Um, research from Age UK shows that older LGBT people are especially vulnerable to loneliness as they're more likely to be single, live alone and have lower levels of contact with relatives. And that's a common a common thing, especially um, with older LGBT people. A lot of their families are either not around anymore, are not supportive of them, typically less likely to have children. Mm-hmm. So it means that the friendship groups can also be a lot smaller and that support network can diminish quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, some more research from Age UK on loneliness and older people more generally found that the number of over 50s experiencing loneliness is actually set to reach 2 million by 2025 26. Wow. This compares to around 1.4 million in 2016 17, which is close to a 50% increase in just 10 years. That's mind blowing. But also, we've covered this in previous mm-hmm. episodes. It, you know, social care and healthcare, social services in this country have been decimated by successive conservative governments and it it just is you know the way it's always the less able that impacted mostly Mm -hmm. but thinking about how to combat loneliness um mark roland the chief executive of the mental health foundation said our connection to other people and our community is fundamental to protecting our mental health so we must find better ways of tackling the epidemic of loneliness we can all play a part in this and that is something that will touches on which is probably the best segue that we can give you into this wonderful interview that we had with Will Young, which for both of us was just an enormous gag because we both grew up mm-hmm. watching him on Pop Idol. You know, one of the first like gay role models that I think either of us had. So yeah, a bit wild <laughs> actually. <laughs> Here is Will. <laughs> so... First things first, congratulations on the release of your latest book. It's been mere days, I think, since it was released. Um, Be Yourself and Happier, the A to Z of Wellbeing. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's been really fun, actually, um, talking about it. Because I've been talking about mental health for a long time, learning about mental health, wellbeing, physical health. It's all in the same area, Mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't like just saying mental health because I think we then ignore the bo- the body. It's actually, it's what I talk about a lot in the book. Um, but there's some, for some reason, doing a book is kind of, I feel like it's, I feel like I've got, I've got more Klaus or something. I don't know. It's weird. I haven't, even though I do like mental health talks and things like that, I feel like it's been so nice to have the opportunity to talk about all the stuff I've learned. Mm, mm. You know? Um, makes me feel quite wise quite like it yeah i feel like the wise gay uncle um 
I'm already thinking about what I want to write about next. Mm. I think the thing is that a lot of the things that I talk about, um, I'm quite surprised that people haven't thought about it or discovered those mm. things. But then I have to remind myself, well, I didn't know those things. So, mm. you know, I, should, um, I don't judge people for it. But just simple little little stuff like talking from the eye position, mm. um, you know, trying not to use the word but instead of and just mm. just stuff like that it's really like basic kind of rudimentary lessons um that we can put into practice that genuinely make your life a lot easier yeah they genuinely do um and then also talking about things like boundaries what are bound you know we hear a lot of things like what's codependence boundaries what's what is it when someone gets triggered you know these are important things mm-hmm. um, what is trauma um how do you give advice all, all those kind of, what do you do at christmas time if you don't like your family you know all those kind of things so it's, it's sort of quite a mix in the book that's a big one that christmas yeah one. <laughs> um what, what do you do the, well that was a big question I'd, i haven't been home for the last few years i go home around the christmas time but not for christmas i think you're quite good at boundaries like yeah that. That, that's really helped me um one question i was going to ask with this book how was the process maybe different than previous writing you've done yeah the gay i wrote a book on gay shame and that was very different Mm. um more exploratory uh and more specific Mm -hmm. um and using my own life as a kind of conduit for looking at how gay shame Mm -hmm. would come about in my life and so it was cathartic um surprising at times mm. um probably a bit pain- painful at times mm. this one i still use my own experiences um but it's probably a little bit lighter mm-hmm. um and and i quite enjoyed sort of thinking because it's an a to z I, I sort of get to the letter whatever it would be for that day and think oh right what's there for this yeah. and and i try and like i try and find i try and make it fun mm-hmm. writing process i don't want to feel like i'm a slave to it so i i do very little each day um i set myself you know very few amount of words to write and mm-hmm. then some days i might completely exceed it and other days i might only write a couple of words and just think oh there's nothing there today yeah um but i think i enjoyed it yeah yeah i imagine it's quite different this this new book feels very i don't use the word positive as as in like the other one was a negative mm. but i think it's maybe more forward looking isn't it kind of the yeah. the posit- positivity side of it um yes. which i imagine yes. is a lot different as well yes and I, and I think i felt frustrated actually that for the gay shame book i mean i did proffer up how i some of the processes i used mm. to move through my gay shame but there's really still not masses out there yeah. That's why I wrote the book in the first place. Mm. Yeah. Um, so on to other mediums, you are no stranger to a podcast. Yes. Um, you are an OG co-host of Homo Sapiens, um, and you have just found a new series, The Wellbeing Lab. Um, I think the tone's great. You're so welcome. You are not scary, which a lot of podcasts <laughs> can be, um, and definitely not preach either. Have you had any standout moments so far? Um, with the new podcast? I think it's really interesting because when I started Homo Sapiens, 
with Chris Sweeney. It was so different, the landscape then. Mm. But it wasn't that long ago. Mm. So it's been really, and that was amazing to do um, and still goes on. I think mm. it's just Chris now that does it. Um, and I found during doing Homo sapiens that I just was getting, to be honest, quite stressed trying to find famous people that would fit into an LGBTQ plus podcast. You know, I was just mm -hmm. like, oh, <laughs> stressing out. And I started feeling like I was becoming a bit disingenuous. Mm. So I wanted to focus more on mental health. So that's why I stopped hosting it. Mm. Um, standout moments and, and not famous people. Mm. I mean, if a famous person comes along and it's right, great, but it's just taken the pressure off because I can just look for experts. Yeah. And that's so much nicer i'm not anti-famous people but it's just really stressful you know mm. um so who have i really enjoyed well the sex the one about sexual withdrawal or sexual anorexia um that was quite interesting mm. i tried to tackle quite a few subjects that aren't ironically the sexy topics <laughs> you know people don't really talk about and particularly topics that might people that might come with even more shame. Mm. Um, people often don't talk about sex in their relationships. They don't, you know, we're, we're quite bad at it, I think, in this yeah. country. Um, and so things like that, body dysmorphia, I wanted to talk about. Um, those have probably been the two standout ones. Um, I thought the sleep deprivation guide was really good as well, actually. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I listened to the body dysmorphic disorder one this morning and I just thought it was fantastic because... Was it Hannah, the PhD student you had on there? So, so knowledgeable. And again, like Matthew was saying, the tone of the podcast is so um, approachable that it doesn't feel like, yeah, like a scary subject matter that you have to kind of listen to in secret and not talk to any of your friends about it, um, which I think you obviously mm. bring that, which is fantastic. Um, but I think you also spoke about your um, your PTSD diagnosis and how that was like the not like maybe the trigger or where you started to learn or open yourself up to learning more about the symptoms of things. Mm. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, trauma, what trauma is, you know, our definition of PTSD has moved on a lot in this country. Um, I mean, I had to be educated mm -hmm. eight, nine years ago. Um, you know, I thought it was just for soldiers. So um, that's definitely opened up a whole new realm of, therapies that are more body-based because our bodies will store you know often if we're stuck in a sort of cycle of behavior i think one of the problems is that things like therapies that concentrate on the mind um so cognitive behavioral therapy is very much like you train the mind you train your thoughts you know even even mindfulness and things like that they're great but they can avoid the body and and often if we're stuck in behaviors it's actually driven by stuck energy in our body from mm. a trauma in the past and, and and this is just science it's actually not you know a weird thing it's just it's proven mm. um we're not very good at releasing traumatic energy so we can remain in a fight or flight response the light just came on behind me did you mm. see that <laughs> <laughs> if you're here give us a sign <laughs> Release the trauma. Yeah, release the trauma. What are the lottery numbers? Um, um, so I've been really interested in that 
and invested a lot of my time in in that for myself mm. um and I think it's a bit of a game changer really mm. you know because because i think a lot of people can feel ashamed that they can't get there you know well i'm not because a lot of therapies i think can be quite shaming like well you're not getting your thinking right but actually it's like if i'm on high alert in my body m- my brain it doesn't understand why i'm on high alert so it's trying to find an answer mm. often the body can drive the brain's thinking you know so we some people think thoughts drive feelings i'm actually more of the other school that i think feelings can drive thoughts mm. so i try and calm my body so like today i've got my little red bull with me because i had a long car journey and i can relax my back with it mm-hmm. so it goes quite well with my outfit and <laughs> i've got a red band as well which i need i stretch so i sort of feel strength in my body and they're just little things that i do on a daily basis just to keep me like in the moment mm-hmm. keep my body calm very simple i mean you know it's just a plastic band and a ball yeah i think the physical side of it as well people tend to forget a lot especially if you're for example, overworked or in their space, for example, you get so caught up or stressed in screen, mm-hmm. phone, laptop, whatever, your body takes it all on, you forget, and like hours will pass by and then you finish your day and it all stays with you until it comes out in ways that you either can't control or don't want them yeah. to. And it can, it can drive us into, into thought patterns that are, are only because our brain is a problem solving tool. It's just trying, I always give an example of how I would sit. And if I'm sitting and obsessing about the fact that I need to change the paint color in my bedroom immediately, I'm like, this is <laughs> it has to happen immediately. It's completely wrong. It normally means that I need to step back from that thought pattern and look at calming my body. Mm. And once I've calmed my body, I kind of look at my room again and I'm like, I don't give a shit what mm, color it is. I quite like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it's a good tool for all of us. Look at our thoughts and yeah. our beliefs. When we're when it's really heightened, it normally means it's being driven by something probably older than what's going on in the moment, probably mm. a triggering of something from the past. Because otherwise we don't really care. Mm. You know, we wouldn't be stressed because mm. nothing really matters. Mm. I think that's a nice way to look at it as well. Definitely. In terms of it's an older thing that's resurfacing. It is because it's had longer to be around. Mm. You know, in the moment, really, I don't get stressed about stuff. But if I'm feeling quite heightened energy, I call it activation. I write about that in the book. Um, you know, adrenaline, adrenalized, flood of cortisol. Then it's normally something from my past mm. that's come up. Yeah. So I told my mum that we were interviewing you and she was over the moon. She was, she loves you so much, just like the two of us, obviously. <laughs> and um, she was like, oh, I, I remember seeing him on, um, I think it was Gardener's World or something back in yes. 2019. Yeah. And because um, she's a big gardener, she's got an allotment, she loves all that. And um, yeah, she was like, um, yeah, get him to talk about well, why he uses gardening and stuff like that. So <laughs> um, I did look into it and I've read an article that you... Um, use it to help your anxiety do you still garden yeah i was gardening all of yesterday apart oh. from well when i have to go up to cambridge to do a talk but um yeah i love it i love mm. gardening i've been on garden as well twice which i feel like honestly it's worrying that i see that as one of my greatest achievements <laughs> like, do you know what i mean yeah all the other stuff doesn't matter garden as well <laughs> creme de la creme um, 
I just love it. I yeah. actually, for me, it's a very, it's very creative. Mm-hmm. Um, like my garden is kind of an extension of um, being an artist. So the way I do my garden, the colors, the plants I choose to plant, um, I, it's all about design. Mm. And um, I've got sort of little sculptures within my garden and I, I, I love it. Mm. I think people are quite scared to garden because it comes with, I don't think it comes with a pretentiousness, but people are sort of scared to fail. Mm. But like, I don't really care about that. You know, mm. I just, I just think it's, um, for me, it's just a thing of beauty. Yeah. Um, it's the aesthetic that I love, but I do also love getting my hands in the dirt and, um, my whole family are gardeners. My mum's a garden designer, you know, and I used to garden when I was younger. So I, I, I just, it's always been in my blood, really. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's kind of that uh, that way of, um, like you're saying, with kind of grounding yourself in something. It's doing something with your hands. I think baking is a similar thing where, depending on how stressed you get in those situations, um, it can be quite cathartic because you are, say, kneading bread or something. Yeah. It's the process of kind of getting out of your head and into the the actual work of it yeah it makes you very present mm. and it, um i do find it relaxing mm. um so no i and also i i i talk because i have a lot of pots outside the front of my house i talk to so many people because of my garden out the front because because one i'm out there two i'm a nosy bitch <laughs> and you know, I just, or people might say, oh, I love your tulips or I love that. And, I, and it starts a whole conversation. And I think that's what life's about. Mm. Like, I love, I love people stopping and talking to me when I'm tending to my dailies. So this episode um, is due out during Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, this year's theme is loneliness. Are there any things that you found have helped over the years with different feelings of loneliness? Whether that's, uh, you know, physically separated from people or feeling lonely surrounded by people i imagine there's quite a lot in there yeah loneliness actually is an awful is an awful one i'm trying to think if i wrote about loneliness in the book i'm not sure if i did actually maybe that was freudian um i used to feel very lonely there's a num there's a number of types of loneliness i think so there's a loneliness from ourselves when we kind of can sort of abandon ourselves Mm. and that can create a sense of loneliness. There's a loneliness that can run throughout someone's life that will be to do with something in the past. So for years I I used to feel lonely. And I think that there can be a type of loneliness that is specific to gay men as well, actually. Mm. I often think about it and wonder if it's linked to gay shame, you know, or I think that that's definitely something to explore. But feeling lonely is is awful because it can be like a sort of void that won't get filled, you know. So often we can be around people but still feel desperately lonely. Mm. It might not be getting in touch with people that will fill the loneliness that's in mm. oneself, you know. So that's something to look for. And certainly for years I had it and then it sort of went actually through therapy. It was amazing. Um, but I think to combat loneliness in whatever form is to get in touch with people on a deeper level, normally a deeper emotional level in a safe space. Mm. Um, I think 
that then creates a sense of connection. That's really the opposite, isn't it, of loneliness? Mm. Um, and so I think that is the key to combating loneliness, is finding an area of life. It can be online, it can be a forum, it can be one person, it can be listening to a podcast, it can be doing an interview like this. Mm. You know, it can be a group where you physically meet up, where you can share your vulnerabilities and your emotional state beyond, I'm fine or I'm just a bit tired. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that combats it. Yeah. The worst type of loneliness, I think, is 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 a is a sort of sense of abandonment loneliness mm. and stick around you know that's certainly what i used to have you know that's like what i call a spiritual wounding you know and that's a tricky thing to fill it's a tricky chasm to fill but it can be filled mm. um but i think often actually that can be driving if there's sort of childhood abandonment in various forms that can be driving that sense of loneliness mm. that people have because we all want to be loved really don't we oh, we just want to be loved we want to feel heard and we want to feel safe those are the three things yeah that was the thing i actually thought about like the word safety when you were talking about having that deeper connection it may not be with a lot of people it may be with one two three different people mm-hmm. for a long period of time as well but just having those those really important relationships no matter like how many or few you've got it just provides that i think safety like psychological side of the safety rather than you know having a group of 47 friends and actually not knowing them on anything deeper than yeah the small talk side of things so yeah i think the safety side of it is the thing that stuck out as you were talking then yes it's very important Mm. important for that not to be to not feel that someone is going to misuse any emotional information and vulnerability that is shared, mm. you know, or discredit it. Yeah. And that happens, unfortunately. You ever feel lonely, you guys? I don't think anymore. I think maybe I used to. Um, I think when you mentioned about gay shame um, or as, as gay men, um, it being a, a common thing or could be a common thing. I think that's quite, that that is most probably likely because it is quite isolating when, um, say, you don't have representation or you don't have, uh, don't know, know other people in the community or know other people that are gay. Um, and so you can feel isolating and lonely because you feel like you're the only one, especially in a world where it kind of feels like everyone else is against you. Mm. Um and I mean, luckily now in the world of social media, there's so many other people are being seen and it's, um, I'm incredibly grateful for that. Um, but when, you know, grew up, grew up in the 90s and there was very little representation. So, yeah, I guess back then I did. But I, yeah, you're right. I think feeling the more I've kind of spoken to people, the more I've opened up, the more I've had conversations like this, like you said, um, it's definitely grounded me and helped me feel more a part of um a part of the community which in itself is less lonely Mm. yeah yeah i think i definitely did more so as a teenager and i think just whether that's like a learning through situations that i've experienced when i was younger i just was always very keen to like not surround myself with people that i couldn't interact with on that kind of deeper level so 
throughout, basically from when I came out in like my mid-teens to now. I've never had an enormous group of friends. I've always had a handful, less than a handful of people that I actually feel on like that level of, um, that level of, I guess, trust. like safety and trust, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, fortunately I've, I've not felt that for a while. I think I've actually certain times like been really eager for isolation almost because i've found i found stuff has just been moving far too fast and i've kind of disconnected from my own things that i've just kind of been going too fast with things so i think kind of in recent years it's been the opposite almost Mm. um but having regardless of which direction it was going in i think that core handful of friends has always been really crucial to me um, it's important to keep an eye out, you know, hearing you talking about sometimes, you know, wanting some isolation or, mm. you know, particularly if we're sensitive people, we can pick up on other people's stuff and, and it, you know, it can fry us mm. um, and we need to have time for ourselves. You know, there's a lot of energy that people come with. Um, mm-hmm. They just do. Like, how can you tell there's been an argument in a room when you walk into it and you never knew the argument yeah. mm-hmm. happened? You just can tell. Mm-hmm. And particularly when we live in big cities and all these things, you know, we have to be careful of not taking on other people's energies. Mm. And, and that's that's a big thing. It's good to try and find the peace and the quiet yeah. for ourselves. I, I got quite a good um, insight into, I guess, the topic of loneliness over the last 18 months. I worked for um, Tonic Housing. So we opened the UK's first LGBT retirement community. And that was set up to combat loneliness and isolation of older LGBT people. And it's it's a completely different world than anything I'd experienced before. Kind of when you would speak to people in their 60s, 70s, 80s and hear about what their friendship group is now or isn't or who they're able to surround themselves with or the shame that they still feel to this day. And it was just, it was so eye-opening seeing and hearing stories from so many different people mm. and kind of seeing what loneliness actually can do to a person and make them feel and also on the flip side like I was fortunate enough I'm in a new a new role now but we opened and we had our first residents move in and like seeing the incredible difference it made to them like having like-minded and similar people with the same life experiences like in the flat next to them it just brought them to life and it was so incredible um Amazing. Yeah, it, it does it just shows doesn't it like what being isolated and and actually feeling and being lonely can can do to a person it's like insane mm. dampen your light mm. you know um but i think there's that's why there's a lot to be said for also having some sort of spiritual practice mm. um because i think i mean what you're describing is something quite different and really beautiful actually um you know that's just so lovely to think people can you know towards the latter years of their life find this companionship mm. and shared experience and shared ideas and that i think that's beautiful um it's a balance because often we're told you should always be able to exist just on your own mm. and that is true but also we are you know pack animals we want to be with others. Uh, I don't mean necessarily on a relationship, but in relation mm. to. Um, 
and I think I encourage people to sort of have a, a sense of spirituality or some sort of sense of the bigger picture and the world being, you know, the other. Because that for me certainly has changed. You know, I, I feel like really life has kind of got me. You know, how nice to feel like someone's got your back. Mm. I mean, I'm not religious. And yet I feel like, well, the universe will kind of sort it out if it's yeah. meant to be. It's meant to be. And there's something really nice about that. Um, mm. But there's also like a truism to it. Like mm -hmm. I've experienced it time and time again. Mm. Things coming my way, which I haven't done anything for, you know. So mm. I think remember about spirituality and remember about the bigger picture, because that's a key element, I think, to combat loneliness as well. Mm. So speaking of the world having your back, um, it's been 20 years since you won Pop Idol, which we were talking before. We both remember it um, very well. I wasn't born because I was so you, young. Was. I, was. Was very... I was. I was. <laughs> um, we used to have this ritual back in my house, again, to speak to my mum. But we'd uh, on a weekend, we'd um, all get bathed or whatever, and then we'd put on our pyjamas and go downstairs, and we'd sit in front of the fire and watch whatever the night's TV is. Um, and yeah, I just remember it very vividly. Um, I was always in your corner. I just, I do want to say that. Um, <laughs> but what do you remember about that day? I'm sure it was incredibly overwhelming. It was amazing. Mm. The whole thing was amazing. Yeah. Because I was getting like constant feedback to what I was doing week after week. So my confidence was growing week after week. And also it's like a dream come true. I mean, mm. it's just astonishing. It's kind of unique. Mm -hmm. Not kind of unique, it is unique. Yeah. You know, to have a dream and then it's and then it starts happening. It's very surreal. But also I I did really enjoy it. Yeah. And I was quite competitive, so I think I was quite focused as well. Mm -hmm. Um we had quite a laugh. I got on well with the others. I was sort of slightly a kind of fixer of the group in a way I suppose so people would come with their problems and yeah I think I think I just sort of became that person mm. um, which I was quite happy with so I stayed out of any drama and just would listen to people and then if someone was being an arsehole I'd shut up <laughs> um, so I think I enjoyed having that kind of role mm. but we were a bit like a family really mm. um and it was so new as well. So no one really knew what was going to happen. So no one could manipulate it. Yeah. Because no one knew. No one was making, knew they'd make loads of money out of the show. Hmm. So they couldn't manipulate people. They were just like, wow, this is happening. And we all went on this sort of journey together. Very lucky. Hmm. We feel very lucky. And I mean, as you said, it, it was unique because it was the first of anything kind of like that. What impact personally do you think you had not only as not only winning it and kind of the obvious you know more competitions and many more singers but as a as a gay man on that platform back then and kind of all of the incredible work you've done since how how has that been for you like I know it's sometimes when you're in the moment it's difficult isn't it to no no it's it's I mean, it's just so interesting to look back and just go, my God, it was so archaic then. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, scary and not very pleasant. Um, 
to be a gay person and a famous gay person mm. you know it's vulnerable um so it's sort of weird because i sort of i thank god we've moved on so much so that's nice mm. in terms of the impact uh in terms of the impact on me i, I was quite fortunate that i was quite sort of forthright it was just like well if i'm not going to be openly gay i just won't be a pop star i'll go do something else yeah you know so i didn't want it i was quite sort of like i don't know i don't know where that came from just quite like well if people don't want to listen to my music because who I choose to love, then mm. I don't want them listening to my music. Yeah. You know? um, so I had a sort of confidence in that area. But as I look back on it now, now things have changed so much. Of course, I look back and go, my God, that was really difficult and all the homophobia and everything that happened. Um, I think I'm very proud of it, though. Mm. I'm very proud that I had the like strength to do it, you know, but it wasn't like it was a push in many regards in in other ways yeah it was really scary very scary and occasional you know scary moments mm. but on the whole on the whole i think it just takes moments you know and 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 and, and that was the right moment give us a quick bit about your upcoming album release and tour because your new song came out last week the week before oh yeah, yeah that's true yeah i wrote that with two friends as a pitched for a Dua Lipa song mm. um, during lockdown. Uh, and then I don't even know if they ever, she ever got to hear it, but it didn't really matter either way because then we sort of quite liked it for ourselves. Mm. Um, and I'm touring at the end of the year. Um, quite keen on this cult idea though. I think I'm gonna- <laughs> Scrap everything else. Yeah. <laughs> So we wanted to end on a bit of a laugh and not just um, cut it off right after Will says he's got a tour coming up because uh, we ran out of time really quickly. So we just needed to kind of get a soundbite at the end for the tour and his new music. Um, But to explain the cult joke, so basically we couldn't include it because the audio was messed up. But imagine a wellness cult dressed head to toe in Vivian Westwood is basically what he was trying to pitch to us. Would you join? That's a question for you, listener. Not I'm for not, Matthew. Oh, f- well, I thought you were. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I'd have to see what the current collection was. <laughs> no, that's camp. <laughs> no, that's gay. <laughs> well, honestly, thank you so much, yes. Will. Because, yeah, it, it was it was just so much fun mm-hmm. chatting to you. Um, yeah, we've both been big fans for since we were mm-hmm. tiny little gay boys. So, um. Yeah, one of the questions I didn't get to ask that I would have liked is how he's found knowing that he's been that role model for people. Mm-hmm. And I know it probably, after speaking to him, it probably would have been quite an embarrassing question for him. I don't think he'd have maybe liked it because it, it would have put him on the spot. But um, yeah, I would just say that now that he is and has been, I know, a role model for lots of other little queers. So yeah, thanks for chatting to us, Will. This is all your fault, Will. Look what you've done. <laughs> Look what you've created. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was gorgeous and you looked stunning. But um, I also feel like I got a lot more from the interview than I was expecting. Sometimes you can meet um, celebrities or people of notoriety and you can only get a bit of the surface. But mm-hmm. he was really, really open and um, 
and I was really, really grateful for that. Another thing that we should mention, um, which she is incredibly open about as well, um, is this new documentary that's coming out or will have come out the same week that this episode's released. Um, I think it comes out on the 10th. So uh, it's a documentary about his brother's suicide. So I think it's going to be on Channel 4, but really recommend everyone go watch that. I know I will be most likely bawling Mm -hmm. as well. Um, But it's an incredibly important topic and I think it's going to shed some much needed light on it. Mm -hmm. So with that, we are done. That is your lot for this special Mental Health Awareness Week episode. Mm Mm-hmm. As always, you can follow us at Bottoming Pod on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, obviously. There we go. <laughs> Main one. <laughs> um, Check out our new website, um, bottomingpodcast.com. Um, oh, yeah. I gave it a bit of a refresh. Yeah. Mm. So um, have, have a look and yeah, give us, a th- give us your thoughts or whatever. And review us. Please review us. Yeah. On Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you can do both, remember. So that is very much appreciated if you did love this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, We're hoping to be back in a couple of months. Maybe even a month. Who knows? Maybe even so, a month. So, you know, get your calendars out. We're doing some prep work yeah. for that, some production, BTS production. So bear with us. <laughs> bear with us and we will... Keep you updated. See you very soon don't forget you are doing doing amazing amazing sweeties sweeties. (laughs) even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.